What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Bird here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to protect yourself, how to practice self-care, and we are joined by a guest who was one of the youngest female Secret Service agents ever hired. She was brought in at 22, and she has served in countless protection operations for presidential campaigns, visiting foreign dignitaries, and current and former presidents and their families. She left the Secret Service shortly after Ms. Reagan's passing, after realizing it was time to start protecting herself as well as she was able to protect others as her role as a Secret Service agent. She now joins us today to talk about protecting yourself and self-care, and she is none other than Melanie Lentz. Melanie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat. Melanie, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And I mean, just to think that the Secret Service, like you built yourself up for that role at 22. I mean, not many people at 22 are thinking about joining the Secret Service. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that journey and how you put yourself in that position to be a part of the Secret Service at that age. Right. Well, I was not one of those kids that wanted to be a Secret Service agent at a young age. I was, like many, had no clue what I wanted to be when I grew up until well after I grew up. Um, in college, I started as a music major, of all things, and then switched to exercise science. So, you know, we were still figuring a lot out there. Uh, after undergrad, I decided hey, why not get a master's degree while I figure things out? And it was during that time in my life where I realized, like many, it's time to get a job. It's time to figure something, something, something out. And uh, during this time, my grandpa's best buddy's daughter, you know, roundabout way, was a secret service agent, a female secret service agent. And she wasn't in the military or law enforcement ahead, you know, beforehand. And she was doing well, traveling the world, had all kinds of exciting stories. And my grandpa is the one that said, hey, you know, Mel, you were a college athlete, a good student, like you, you could probably handle this job. And I'm thinking, I'm the biggest introvert, the shyest kid. I mean, anyone who knew me as a kid would have laughed if they said I wanted to be a Secret Service agent. But I started researching and the type A in me, you know, doesn't do anything halfway. So I started researching and realized, oh, this is a really cool job. I mean, who, who doesn't think that's kind of a cool job, right? So I filled out the application. I met the very basic minimum requirements was in that I had a college degree or equivalent experience, which would have been military or law enforcement. So I applied thinking I would never hear from them. I really didn't think I would hear from them. And so then they called and over the period of six months, I started passing the little elements of the application process, the, the written tests, initial interviews, polygraphs, all that stuff. So I decided then and there I needed to figure out what I did have to offer because I was just focusing on what I didn't have to offer, which was life experience, any experience and anything, much of anything at all. And so I decided that I was trainable. I was somebody who was willing to do the work. All they needed to do was teach me. What's the point of eight months of academy training if you're not going to teach me what I need to know? I'm here. Teach me. And I think they liked that's that attitude, that go-getter attitude. And uh, so that fateful day in June 2007, I got a call from one of the supervisors in the Los Angeles field office saying, Melanie, we have an opening here in Los Angeles. We'd like to offer you the position. Would you like it? And, you know, gulp, my life changed <laughs> overnight. And three weeks later, I was on a plane 
to Washington, D.C. to start a decade of adventures that taught me a lot about protection, myself and others. And now I know at the beginning of your journey, I mean, it's a strong focus on protecting the person you have to protect. It's a very high leverage, high pressure job. You got a lot of eyes on you. I'm wondering, how did you rise up to that role of being able to protect others? What were some things you learned there? And then how did you then transition to protecting yourself and self-care later on? Right. Well, that first day at training was very eye-opening because I stood out like a sore thumb, you know, being 22 and the youngest female by many years there. I, I had a little bit of catching up to do, a lot of catching up to do. And one thing I learned about myself is that I don't quit. And there were plenty of reasons and plenty of times during training where I was behind and had to do extra work to catch up. And I just didn't quit. And I think I recognized the importance of the job. You know, I wanted to do something meaningful with my life always. And I realized that, you know, it didn't matter what my political affiliation was, that my job was to protect the office of the president. And that was something that we should take seriously in our job. So I, I loved protection. It was something that, hey, I didn't envision myself doing this right off the bat in, in life, but it was something that I took seriously and loved every minute of it. I mean, there's more to protection than, you know, the earpiece and the badge and the, you know, tailored suit with the aviators. I mean, I don't really fit that mold, but I could still do the job, but there was more to it. The behind the scenes, the advance work, as we call it, you know, uh, my first year out of training was the 2008 presidential campaign. So former president Obama's first campaign, and it was the McCain Palin campaign. So if we remember that time period, it was chaotic, a lot going on. I traveled a lot, kind of got this crash course in protection and just fell in love with the job. That was the thing. I just fell in love with protection and all the behind the scenes security plans. And that first year on the job, I excelled at my job. I did what I needed to do to excel at my job. And I've developed some really poor habits. And during that first year, uh, and I was writing my memoir, I went back through my old time cards and stuff and realized that in my first year on the job, I only requested one vacation day the entire year. Whether or not I, I was traveling a lot, but when I had the option to request a vacation day, I had only requested one that entire year, no sick days, and it was my mother's birthday of all things. So we kind of laugh about that now. I requested my mom's birthday off to take her to lunch. And that trend of just working and saying no to my family, my loved ones, even when I had the opportunity to say no, when I got some seniority, I chose work. I said yes to work and no to my family. And while that is great for workplace success for a short period of time, that will catch up with you eventually in your personal life. And it did for me. And you know, the, the, the long short of it is, is when it was my turn to go to DC, which is what every agent wants to do. I spent some time in Los Angeles in the field, learning the ropes, traveling for the campaign. When it was my turn a few years later to go to Washington DC to the president's detail, what every secret service agent wants, right? It was when my personal life imploded. My, my marriage fell apart. I was very depressed, handled it all very poorly. And all those bad habits of just suppressing and thinking that someone else's protection and schedule and life was more important than taking care of myself when I needed to, it all came crashing down. And it was at that moment that I knew something had to change. I, I wasn't ready to leave the job yet. I, I was not there, but there was an opening on former first lady Nancy Reagan's detail at the time. And she was still based in Los Angeles. Former first lady still got protection for life. And I took that position 
to avoid that cross-country move, which would have been very complicated for my now ex-spouse, spoiler alert, my spouse's job. So I took that position and less than a year later, Mrs. Reagan passed away. So, you know, things just weren't going well. You know, the, it was too little too late for the marriage. I was very depressed. Wasn't in DC with all my friends from the academy that had moved out there. I stayed in LA. And I was forced to ask for help, which was something that us type A have to have it together. Secret service agents had to do. I called that 800 number. Uh, you know, when you're in a job and they have that, hey, we'll help you. Here's a employee assistance program. It's that poster that's frayed on the edges in the break room or some pamphlet you got at hiring that you think won't apply to you. Well, it was the most humbling day of my life, I think, was the day I called that number and said, I need to talk to somebody. My life's falling apart. And, you know, there's all these tell-alls about the Secret Service and morale. And, you know, there's a brand new book that came out that was, you know, exposing a lot of stuff. But one thing the Secret Service did right in my time there was that person that answered the phone and responded to my emails at the employee assistance branch. And so within 24 hours, I was able to talk to somebody within a mile of my house, a therapist, and kind of start that process of dealing with my problems in healthier ways than I was. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, is I, I needed to leave the secret service and that, that really was hard and it sucked for lack of a better way of saying it. And I had, was there for the season I needed to be, but I realized, you know, Sometimes you just know in life, you learn to hone in on your intuition as a secret service agent, to recognize when something feels off and you ignore it in your personal life. But there was this time I was at the, it was the Republican National Convention in 2016 of all places. We were at Kent State University. The hotels were full in Cleveland. So they had all the agents in a college dorm room over there and we were getting bussed in for our assignments. And, you know, I applied for the secret service in a college environment and I went full circle in a college dorm room and woke up one day right before I was supposed to transfer to DC because I was doing the conventions both of them and then going to DC reporting. It was like two weeks away to reporting to DC. And I woke up that morning and realized I, I have to leave. I, I can't, I don't like who I've become there. I'm this person that just, you know, what happened to that girl at 22 that wanted to live a meaningful life. She lost her way somewhere where, what happened? And I have to change something and I can't move to DC in this, you know, go, go, go environment that I've been living and expect to to be somebody I'm proud to be. So I sent that fateful text to my boss. And with that, uh, I left the secret service 10 years in, almost 10 years in and started over and realized I had a lot more than just a pretty cool resume and some cool pictures and, and trips on my, you know, under my belt, but I had a lot of protection experience I needed to start applying in my own life. And for a lot of people, um, especially like the, the younger people, like you've got more time on your hands to, uh, like, like a 16 hour workday, for instance, like you're not, you're less likely to do that the like m deeper you are into a family. But if you're in your twenties and you're single and you've got all this time in your hands, like you're thinking about doing that and then it just becomes a habit and that's how these bad habits can form. And to make a big move, like to then quit and then figure out like what's next like what was that transitional point for you after you send the te text you're walking out for the final time like right. how did you adapt throughout that transition right well i like to say there i can i can place it uh, really nicely in a little story that day i turned in all of my gear 
I went into the office. I met with my boss. We accounted for everything, you know, that bulletproof vest I'd had under my suit, my badge, my gun, my, you know, gas mask, all of it. I, I had to turn it all in. And for the first time in basically my adult life, I was leaving that office, no longer special agent Melanie Lentz, but just Melanie Lentz. And I stood in that elevator landing with my validated parking ticket because they took my building pass. So I have to, you know, use my validated ticket. And this guy comes into the elevator landing and he's younger and I didn't know him, but it was a, it was a big office. So that wasn't unusual. He came into the elevator landing and he said, Oh, Hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so nice to meet you. You must be one of the new agents. And I was like, just like that. I had been replaced. Somebody else was there to do my job just as good, if not better than I had. And I had neglected what I was about to walk into, which was my personal life. And it was, that was a big kind of gut punch moment. And I would be lying if I said that I didn't play the victim for a while. I blamed the secret service for not letting me delay my transfer. I blamed my ex-husband. I blamed whoever I, I played the victim for a while. I will own that. And it wasn't until I realized that you know, you can take away the stressors of a toxic, you know, maybe toxic marriage. You can take away the stressful job. You can take away the things that stress you out in life. But until you're willing to do that inner work, nothing's going to change. And that took me a long time. And it involves moving out of California, leaving LA, going to be with my family, people I hadn't seen a whole lot of in the last 10 years and rebuilding relationships that had been very, very tarnished over the years and realizing that it was time to start protecting myself. And kind of, I have this kind of threefold thing that I like to go through today as I'm older and older and wiser, I like to say, but you know, I'm still figuring it out like everybody else. But I realized, what am I trying to protect? I'm worth protecting, but what am I protecting? I'm protecting the kind of person I want to be. And I don't have to have the logistics figured out. I don't have to know my future job. I don't have to know, you know, exactly my geographical location, who I might, you know, remarry, who, whatever. I don't have to know that, but I can know what kind of person I want to be and what my legacy, I want my legacy to be for like, not like, what are people going to say when I'm gone, but more just what do people think of when they think of me? Not the angry, depressed secret service agent who's never home, but I wanted something different. And so that's what I'm protect. That's the protectee, as you say. And kind of one thing I, I realized is that protection hinges on access control right? A secret service agent has to control access. You can't just throw the president in a concrete bunker and hologram his butt onto a stage every time he needs to make a public, you know, <laughs> speaking gig. You know, you can't do that. There has to be some access. There's some positive access and negative access. And that fine, delicate balance in secret service protection and in my personal protection is who and what should have access granted, denied, limited maybe, or even revoked when it's granted. And that's kind of the thing I have to think about and when I honestly answer the question about who and what controls how I live on a day-to-day -day basis and how I act, when I answered that, honestly, I realized there were some things that needed to be removed from my life. And that's hurt hard because sometimes, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the, I'm not, I know I'm not the only person with a job that was demanding that had made it for a difficult work-life balance. I'm not the only person who's dealt with depression or divorce for that matter, but Sometimes we stay miserable because it's familiar. We're afraid to make the big change. And sometimes once I started realizing I had to revoke access to some things in my life that were toxic to me, not even just, just little things even, what controlled my thoughts, I realized I'd made room for a lot of positive things. And when I looked at it that way is that revoking access to the things that are bad for you opens the door for you to be receptive to the good things rather than isolate yourself for fear of being hurt again. 
And so access control is something I like, it's like my mantra, like how's your access control? Because usually if I'm struggling with the depression or something's out of whack in my life, or I'm not becoming somebody who I, that I'm proud to be, or I'm kind of going down a wonky path, usually something's askew with my access control. And I really wish I would have grasped that in my twenties because I probably would have taken my dad's <laughs> birthday off and I'd have taken my husband's birthday off and I wouldn't have missed so many anniversaries and stuff. But just in general, access control, I think keeps me on track today, at least thinking about that. And then the last thing is what I like to call situation reports. And in the motorcade, that's kind of like when the secret service will communicate with the motorcade and the destination will give them kind of a status update of sorts. You know, you've got a demonstration at this corner You've got the, you know, the CEO of the place is going to greet you. It's just, you know, you, you know, you're in the know and you give an honest assessment of what's going on. And if you don't give an honest assessment and somebody's blocked your arrival point, then there could be disaster. So I, I can't give myself that honest, a dishonest situation report. Like how many times do you say, oh, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine because I have to suck it up and do the job now but you aren't honest with yourself later when you need to be. So kind of that thing is when I realize, Hey, I'm, I'm doing, a, I'm doing, going down that old path, that old workaholic, you know, never take a break path that I tend to own as you know, my type A personality tends to gravitate that direction. When I'm going down that wonky path, once I give myself an honest situation report, sometimes I can identify where those access control points might need adjusting. And then that helps me protect who I want to be and the kind of person I want to be on a day-to-day -day basis. I really love that insight that the access control, because we choose what goes into our lives and what goes out of our lives, who as well. And it's very important to control that access because you could just let one addiction go into the next. You could go from workaholic in one area to workaholic in another area. But if you focus on your access control, be really intentional about who and what comes in and who and what goes out. You are on that path to protecting yourself, protecting others in the process and practicing self-care, which I feel like society, uh, we're starting to feel like it's important, but I still feel like a lot of people generally don't think about it as much as they should. Now, Melanie definitely has a lot more work on the subject. So I'm wondering, Melanie, if you could share with us just some of the places we can find your work and follow your journey. Yeah. Well, you can find me on my website, which is just melanielentz.com, my first and last name. Um, I'm on, you know, all the social media sites, Melanie Lentz author on Instagram and all that good stuff. I have two books out. One is the memoir that's called Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life. And that's on Amazon and, you know, Kindle, paperback, Audible, all that good stuff. And then the newest one is a protection workbook kind of more geared towards the younger you know my younger self I guess which is called advanced work a personal protection assignment workbook and so kind of me giving a little more expanded version of how I go about practicing good access control and giving myself good situation reports and that kind of thing how I do that on a daily basis and continually have to do it because I fail every day just like everybody else it's, it's a continuous process and so you can get that on Amazon as well. So yeah, and if you're looking for somebody to be on your show or speaking gigs, that kind of thing, you can contact me at the website. We will have those links in the show notes. Make sure you guys get Melanie's books. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you.